Welcome to the No Film School podcast. This is Gigi Hawkins. And today I speak with Francesca Silvestri, producer of the upcoming film Suncoast, as well as writer-director Laura Chin, writer and director of the upcoming film Suncoast. This film is from Searchlight Pictures and it had its world premiere at the 2024 Sundance Film Festival opening weekend and is streaming exclusively on Hulu beginning today, February 9th, 2024. Inspired by the semi-autobiographical story of a teenager played by Nico Parker, who, while caring for her brother along with her audacious mother, played by Laura Linney, strikes up an unlikely friendship with an eccentric activist, played by Woody Harrelson, who is protesting one of the most landmark medical cases of all time. The film follows this sort of teenager coming-of-age dynamic and features this bomb cast of funny teenagers, including this incredible dark horse, Ariel Martin, who plays Megan Kaminsky, though she does have, I guess, 30 million TikTok followers. But what's really interesting about this conversation in particular is we got to talk about the the producer-director dynamic. And Francesca is an icon. She produced Tangerine, The Florida Project. I mean, she is one of the original people that I think of when it comes to film in Florida and that part of the country. And the chemistry between them is undeniable. So now my conversation with Laura Chin and Francesca Silvestri. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. Thank you so much for joining us to kick off so our listeners understand who you are and your voices. Can you introduce yourself and tell us your role on the film? You go first. Um, my name is Francesca Silvestri, and I am one of the producers of Sign My Role. <laughs> my name is Laura Chin, and I wrote and directed the film. Congratulations on premiering here at Sundance. We often talk to filmmakers who are sort of putting their film out into the world for the first time, but this is a film that's going to be out to the rest of the world very soon. So how does it feel to have this sort of consolidated time frame of releasing the film and then wide release of the film. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's obviously, you know, the, the nerve-wracking element is like, oh, I want to make sure we have time to get the word out. I want people to know. I want people to watch the film. I want, you know, sharing the story is like you know, the goal at the end of all of it. But then also just, you know, kind of exciting knowing that, you know, Sundance obviously has such so many eyes on it. And hopefully, you know, this launch will allow us to just sail right into people's homes. <laughs> yeah, right into your living room. <laughs> and from the from a producer standpoint, what how is this different from other films that you've released? Well, we got to make this movie with Searchlight. And so they obviously being such a premier distributor and having made so many films that we love and to be a part of that pantheon of films, it's so nice to be able to come to the festival and have an idea about a release strategy and they're putting it in 10 markets and they're putting it then on Hulu. And so that's been different than coming and having to you know try to, to sell a film here. So that's been really nice. One of the things we get to do at Sundance as the No Film School podcast is Rarer, which is bringing together directors and producers to talk about making the film together. How did you two meet? What was your meet cute? Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so, so in much. love with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly a problem. I feel so deeply fortunate to have, I mean, this is my first experience and 
when I talk about it to other filmmakers, they're enraged because truly, <laughs> because I, they're like, oh, they talk about the psychotic producers who tried to take the movie away. They talk about, you know, all these horror stories. And I'm just like, oh, I am obsessed with the producers. I'm obsessed with Francesca. I had a friend say that he's, oh, these producers wanted to sit in the edit with me. And I was like, well, how fun. Yeah. And he was like, not fun. And I was like, oh, but we're all a family, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for me, it's, I mean, she's been just a tremendously... Just a creative partner every step of the way, every day, all day long, in any in any any way, you know, from the the big stuff of who do we attach to this film to the small stuff of extras didn't show up. I'm going to go hit the streets and bring strangers in today until we have enough extras. Like in anything. So and and never taking no for an answer, teaching me to never take no for an answer. I'm obsessed with her. But how we met, what was the initial thing? It was Jeremy Plager. Mm-hmm. It was this. It was the script. I mean, really, you know, because people. Uh, have asked, you know, all weekend, how did this thing get made? And it it really was the script, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, you know, it, it's a weird thing because I don't take, I don't believe like writing is coming from me. It's sort of this weird, magical, spiritual experience. So mm-hmm. the, the script, however the script was able to come together in a way to get people's attention, you know, mm-hmm. I'm so eternally grateful for because that was the kernel. That was how they had interest in the movie because they've produced Florida Project and, right. you know, Tangerine and and they've been in this like indie world for so long and their taste is so good and they're so picky and discerning. And so, yeah, I mean, the script is, is what made them want to, to help me. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I would just like to gush about Laura Chen, who I have said, I've been doing this a very long time. And this was the most, I mean, obviously we fell in love with the writing and the script. I mean, that was everything. I read it and I was like, this is incredible. We have to do whatever we can to, you know, in, in any way to, to help this movie come to be. And then I met Laura Chin and I was like, I think I have a crush on Lord. I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm in oh my God, I'm in love with this person. I, this person has changed my life in every way. And one of the amazing ways, first of all, she is brilliant and tireless and brilliant and kind and compassionate and open and loving and inclusive. And I mean, just the most incredible person and filmmaker. And it was such a joy from start to finish. And I said to her many times that she has changed producing for me and that there, I will never work with the type of person that I've had to work with. Again, I mean, I've worked with so many incredible people. Obviously, Sean Baker is somebody that I love and adore. And, you know, but there are so many people that have come into my life as a producer and that I will never work with again because after this experience, Mm -hmm. because someone that is so brilliant, but is so such an incredible human. And so I'm so excited for this launch and her career and everything ahead. And anyway, I couldn't love her more. So that's amazing. <laughs> I'd love to. No, this is. Um, hey, I'll listen to this all day long. This yeah. is great, especially because I've been in, I've heard, I've been off mic hearing the, yeah, it's strange to be in the same room as this producer now. And so this is the opposite. No, I know. It, it, no, it is It is a thing. And, and Laura Linney and I have been talking about it for mm-hmm. the past two days in these interviews is Laura, Laura's like, it's so easy to talk about a movie when you genuinely love the experience, when you genuinely love the people involved. Mm-hmm. You don't have to dig deep for a kernel of goodness, you know, that you <laughs> yeah. can talk about. And, you know, it's, so yeah, it's, but I feel very, yeah, very fortunate. I'd love to talk about a specific instance where Laura shined as a director, as like a humankind director, where maybe in the past you've seen bad behavior. Mm-hmm. We, we talk a lot on the podcast about creating like a healthy culture on set, Amen. especially in, you know, 
obviously you had Searchlight backing you, but indie films in the past, like it's so easy for things to devolve into a pretty like toxic and unhealthy space. So I'd love to talk about something that could have spiraled Mm -hmm. and because of your leadership and because of your partnership was Mm -hmm. turned around in a different direction. I mean, I, I can think of something early on when we were in in Charleston and Laura had written a scene that takes place on a beach that mm-hmm. was kind of a big scene, you know, important scene. And there was an issue with hatching baby turtles and the baby turtles of, of it all. And also schedule. And we had to condense a lot of things. And we ended up having to work at at one location and there was a dock and she had to shoot like four major scenes in one day mm. and and change a major location. And there was just, it was really, I think, could have been incredibly stressful and incredibly, she could have, you know, just been like, I, this is, and the way she handled it and this is great and here's how it's going to work and here why, this is why I think actually here's the blessing and here's, you know, mm. and I, and I'm just thinking that's such a small thing, but um you know, there's there's so many there's so many examples, and I, I will think more of them as we're I'm thrilled you going through this saved interview. The baby turtles, and oh my god! Well, the the lights, the film lights, yeah. they disrupt the turtles hatching. So, in a beautiful way, Charleston's very protective of these turtles, and I find myself being like, I don't care about the turtles, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, no, Laura, Laura, perspective, perspective. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, respectfully, we're not going to film on the beach. We have to pivot. You know, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about filming. So, where did you? I actually wasn't aware that you filmed also in Charleston, but. Also yeah, so we in filmed Florida? for a few days in Florida, but there was no okay. tax credit in Florida. So we had to film the majority of the of the movie in Charleston, which was very heartbreaking. Francesca's like a Floridian. Yeah. You know, I'm a yeah. Floridian and yeah. it's so uniquely beautiful. The the sunsets, the colors, the dolphin mailboxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's so you know, you can't find this like very unique specificity anywhere else. But we had an amazing Location manager, I feel like she yes. she's from Florida as well, Stacey. And, and did, so, had done the Florida project with us and is wonderful and so she knew exactly what to look for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was scouring Charleston for anything Floridian, you know, and we ended up filming in a house that was so, so Floridian. And she said that the homeowners told her, yeah, it was a traditional brick Charleston house. And they tore that down and they built a house to look more like Florida because they were from Florida. Oh. You know, so Stacey found that house, the one house in Charleston that they wanted to look like Florida. So we worked really hard to try to make it feel like Florida. In yeah. Well, the specificity shines through in in you know the setting in the world, but also you are creating a it's a it's a period piece. It mm. takes place in the aughts, the early aughts, yeah. and and so I'd love to talk about creating that world and and sort of tapping into that nostalgia without overdoing it, yeah. And also how to get the teenagers that you were working with in this this ensemble to to be true to that world and still but still feel like relatable to today. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was a it was interesting needle to thread because, you know, the 2000s in my opinion were not inherently so cool. You know, like, I think like the <laughs> 70s were cool, you know. Yeah. But the aughts, there was like a cheese factor to them. Oh my god, you know, yeah. the clothes and the, the the bedazzled jeans and so with our with our costume designer, it was that line of how do we make people look like they're in the aughts but we wanted it to be the aughts as a memory. Yeah. And we want to watch the movie and go, oh, the odds were actually very cool. Mm-hmm. And if no, they weren't. But we tricked you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so we, the costume designer wanted the costumes to be like authentic, but also still cool, you know? Yeah. And same with the production designer. And 
you know, we had the old cell phones and the old TVs and the old computers and mm-hmm. it was all, you know, in there, but we didn't want to do like inserts of everything. We didn't want to beat people over the head Like with lean it. on it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That exactly. makes sense. Yeah. It was, it was so specific. I mean, the, from having the, the Laguna Beach on there, I was like, you brought me right back to this very specific <laughs> right? time. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So let's talk about specifically working with these teenagers, or I don't, I, I'm sure they're probably older than, but they're playing teenagers. Well, our lead was a teen. Our lead was 17 and Ella Anderson was 17. Mm. Yeah. So they were all under the age of 21, I think. They were right. all very young. And no, but they all were like freakishly mature and professional. And then you find out they've been working in the industry longer than I have, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're like, do you like going to talk to them like children? And then they're like, okay, where's my mark? You know, I'm going 10-1. And you're like, what? So yeah, they've been, <laughs> they've been around forever, but they're, they're so, they're pros, but they're, you know, they have this like, innocence to them that I found so interesting. They had never been to a nightclub. Mm-hmm. They had never been drunk. You know, like mm-hmm. Ella Anderson, who's who's very inebriated at the end of the movie, had never been drunk in her life. Right. And so, the, you know, they didn't had never heard of a keg stand. And so oh. I was like, as, as much as they were these pros, they also were very, you know, young too. Yeah. And they were so excited to be, they also just fell in love with the script. With, with each other, with Laura. They were so happy to be there. So every day it was, you know, what what can we bring? What can we do? What do you need from us? What? How can we help? And that was, I mean, that really was the spirit, obviously, mm-hmm. that that tone was set by Laura. And, and they were just so wonderful. And this experience with them here has been amazing. And I'm just so glad people are celebrating them in the film too. Yeah. yeah. It's been fun to see at this Sundance in particular, these like ensemble younger cast yeah. shining. We had Molly Manning Walker from How to Have Sex come uh-huh. on. Uh, of course, Dee Dee is getting a lot yes. of buzz. Yes. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of like youth game, recognizing youth game yeah. and these coming of age stories. Um, how does it feel to be like within this festival environment, like with this film in particular? Do you feel like you're connecting with other filmmakers who are kind of in the same genre type or uh, or are you guys more kind of like insular with your team? Well, I mean, it's we've been we've been doing press, you know, mm-hmm. for I think what is it now three days. Uh-huh. Um, I've been sort of yeah, pretty 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 um, singularly doing press. I've done some um, panels, mm-hmm. so I've gotten to meet some filmmakers. I did. I went to the director's brunch and met some filmmakers, and so I haven't had a chance to watch films. You know, like I met the director of exhi- exhibiting Forgiveness, mm-hmm. and Titus is an amazing artist. So I was mm-hmm. very like I did a panel with him, and I was like, oh my god, there's Titus. I'm meeting him, <laughs> you know. But he's like the Stars, most. Oh, he's so gentle and kind and. Everything he says is like something that you could like make a quote, you know, make a yeah. quote on it and frame it. He's like a genius. And so, yeah, I've gotten to meet. And then the director of DD was on this panel as well, who I met. And so, yeah, I just haven't had to watch their films, which I really want to do. But no, I mean, I think everybody's very excited. I, I personally have removed the whole concept of competition from it. You yeah. know, I'm not, I just, nope, I'm not thinking about that at yeah. all. I'm just like so- Just camaraderie all Exactly. Or, yeah, just yeah. excited to it be here. so supportive of each other. It's, yeah. yeah. It's such a celebration it of is. film. It's just a celebration of film in a way that I've never experienced before. I've never been here before, you know? Yeah. So I haven't ever experienced this kind of love of filmmaking and storytelling and the way people talk about it the importance they give it. You know, coming from comedy television, if you were to say, this is really important what we're doing, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You know, like, it is a cynical world. It is a comedy, 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 you know. So (laughs) here being in these rooms, people are like, this is important. We're, you know, change makers. We're telling stories. We're, you know, and it's, it's, you get swept up in it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. So 
I know we're tight on time, so I want to move to the question that we ask everyone who joins us on the No Film School podcast. We reach a lot of emerging filmmakers. I started listening six years ago when I was like leaving my corporate job and starting from square one. Like, how do I even get my start as a filmmaker? So what advice do you have for that person who is just getting their start? And I'd specifically love to hear as a producer, what advice you have for somebody who's looking to get in as a producer mm-hmm. and then as a director, of course. I mean, as a producer, I would uh, I would say make movies with your friends mm-hmm. and just start making stuff. And I think that that, you know, there are so many platforms and now that technology is, is more affordable, I would just say get together, try to form a group of friends, colleagues, if you're in school, if you're not, and write and just start making stuff. Because I remember when I first produced something, I, I said, oh God, I'm not ready. And a friend of mine said, nobody is going to say, you're like, you just have to stand up and say, I'm a producer now and I'm going to produce something. And that's, yeah. I think what I say to other producers and writer directors, like just go out and start doing it. Yeah. And this is coming from the producer who made the film Tangerine, which yeah. was shot on an iPhone. That's right. Which is sort of like- Which premiered here. Amazing. Yes, which Such premiered here at circle. the library. Incredible. Right, which we, where we premiered. So it was a... But it really, yes. that, I mean, that eliminates yes. all excuses, right? 100%. Like, I mean, yeah. you're like, I produced a film that was shot on an iPhone. And it was like the iPhone 5. Like back <laughs> in the dance, you know? So that's why, yes, exactly. Awesome. For $100,000, I think we made. We've, yeah, yeah. So. My gosh, advice. I, I mean, I guess I, I, I come at it more from writing, you know? Like I don't, I don't know if any, I don't know how I would have <laughs> directed anything if, if not, you know, I don't, I don't know if it, if it wasn't my script. I don't know how someone mm-hmm. would have been like, you can now direct. Right. I don't, I don't know the trajectory of, of that kind of director, but for me, it's writing and my advice to writers is to write. And I know that sounds so simple, but I'm always shocked at the amount of writers who are very dejected in their careers and feel very stuck. And then their script is from five years ago and they're still working on it, you know, and they're and they're still tweaking it. And I'm like, I think you need to write something else. I don't think that one worked out. Yeah, yeah. Keep getting those reps in. Yeah, keep getting those reps in, have people read it. When they tell you that it's bad and they give you a bunch of notes, cry hard and then move on, you know, and and do another, just just write something else, write something new, keep writing. Because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just always shocked at how many writers don't write. And I think when you do write, you do get better at it. And when you do listen to other people's feedback, as painful as it is, you do get better at it. Right. And I think, you know, you 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 work at something for 10, 15 years, like it's it's going to someday work out, you know? Yeah. It's, it's what I've found anyway. I found, I found you know, people that really write and keep writing and, and stay at it and, and take classes and read books and, mm-hmm. you know, listen to podcasts and like yeah. all the things, like you do get better and it does get easier. But yeah, that's my... <laughs> Can I say one last thing about Please. Laura? I'm so sorry. I love I, would, I was just thinking because you were talking about, you know, difficulties and things like that. And something that I, I think that she did so brilliantly that I saw over and over again at every stage in pre-production, in the notes process, in, 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 in production and post-production was her incredible ability to be bombarded with ideas and pitches and, 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 and many of them terrible you know, mm-hmm. mine included. No. And yeah, <laughs> and her ability to be able to take it all in and pick that kernel or or that small thing and say, okay, that doesn't make sense, but here's blah, 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 or the note behind the note or the whatever it is. Or and yeah. and and so I saw her do that over and over and over again. And I just, you know, think it's But I'll brilliant. add to that that my inner child was like, fuck them. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone gives me a thought and I'm like, no, wrong. That's my first instinct, you yeah. know, because there's a little wounded ego in me. That's absolutely not. I'm never doing that, you know, and then, but have, you just have to have the ability to go, I know you, you want to get straight A's and I know you want everyone to tell you you're a good girl, uh-huh. but there's probably some truth to what they're saying, you know, and, and going through that process and allow the initial reaction, not to their face, obviously, but allow, allow the initial reaction, which is, no, I did everything right the first time. That's just going to happen. Yeah. Let that move through you. We're all human. And then trust that these people are saying this for a reason. There's something here. Maybe their note is exactly right. Maybe there's something else that will help them, but listen to them, you know, and and it it is a process. But the thing that's so amazing as a first-time filmmaker where someone would feel, could could feel so underwater and lose their way Mm -hmm. and her ability to be like, there's so much happening. There's so much coming at me, but I just like, I'm able to keep forging. And I, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, as speaking to so many filmmakers, it's tough. I mean, Titus talked about it. Yeah. Remember. So anyway. Just another thing. Well, I also love earlier, you mentioned about crying. We're normalizing crying in the film industry over this week, over Sundance. We've had multiple people say, and yes, and then I had this reaction or, you know, and I think that's really important. Like we have to feel and acknowledge our emotions and also process them. Well, this is why the industry is toxic, right? This is why it's, because people aren't doing that. You know, people are, people are, they have so much rage pent up from childhood and then they get to work and someone says as a question and they unleash, you know? So it, it, to me, like, my true, true advice to anyone is go to therapy. Yeah. Read. There's literally a whole section called self-help and all the books have gems in them. You know, learn how to be a, the best version of yourself so you can bring that to work and you can lead with the part of yourself that you like the most. You know, yeah. the wounded child is the part that you really want to leave at home. But if it's too wounded and it's never gotten a chance to express itself, right. it's going to flip out at work, you know? Yeah. So, that, I mean, my, my real, real advice to people is like, work on you, man, because everything will get better. Everything will get easier. Writing, directing, producing, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And and the the perfect sort of alignment of that is like, you're telling a deeply personal story that is acknowledging your inner child. And, and that's so beautiful that you were able to do all that work to get to this point, to be such a strong leader on set and bring the film to life. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys uh, enjoyed the film. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining <laughs> thank us. Thank you so much and for having us. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll see you on the next one. Yes. Yay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura and Francesca, for joining us. The biggest takeaway for me is that Laura is going to be working forever because she is just a light and somebody you want to be around and somebody you want to be working with. I recommend going back and listening to our DP roundtable featuring Bruce Francis Cole, the DP of Suncoast, if you want to learn more about the production, the filters, etc. Of course, you can watch the film now and you can get more no film school on our podcast. You can like, rate, and subscribe to it across all platforms. You can also get more No Film School, of course, on nofilmschool.com, where you'll find all of our Sundance coverage. And finally, you can follow us on social media at No Film School. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.